Today, um, I'm excited to preach, and uh, as with last week, look, there's no pressure to laugh, but I am pretty excited about the joke today. So, are all hearts and minds clear? To the best of your ability, okay, everybody, listen, before any joke is told, just look, come on, uproot your bitterness, uproot your fear, come on, deal with everything, okay, we're good, here we go. Joke of the day, I heard about this elderly couple. They were having a terrible time with their memory. Naturally, they went to the doctor. He instructed them to start writing down everything they had been forgetting. The next night, they were watching television, and the wife said, I sure would like a bowl of ice cream. The husband said, "Ah, that's easy. I'll go get it for you. The wife said, honey, hold up, hold up. Get your notepad. Write it down. He said, I'm just going to the kitchen. I'm not going to forget that. Sure enough, he came back a few minutes later and handed her a plate of bacon and eggs. She shook her head and said, I should have known it. You would forget my toast. Some of you are going to have to hop back online and listen to that joke again because that was good. That was good. I want to talk today about something I I, I sense the Lord gave me. Uh, It's been kind of fun for me. I feel like he's been giving me my Sunday messages two weeks early. So um, that's fun for me, and uh, hopefully it's fun for you. Nonetheless, um, spent a good time studying, reflecting, and prayerfully considering. um, This is really the words of this message, and I hope that they will strengthen your heart today. I hope they encourage you, that they equip you. And uh, in some ways, they, they um, really pour in to the journey of life that you're on, in the season that you're on. And um, I've encouraged you, if you have your Bible or if you're taking notes, you can write down Proverbs 3. And then, of course, 1 Samuel 16 and 17. We'll be looking at a familiar passage for many in there. But um, I, I, I should start, before I give you the, the title, I should say something about myself, let you, let you all in on uh, a little secret about me. I have been called from time to time, predictable. Any of you been called predictable by those closest to you, by those who love you the most? Ever heard, you're just so predictable? Um, I've been called predictable, certainly from time to time. In fact, um, when I hop in on the mornings uh, to drop my daughters off at school, even my GPS would say I'm predictable. I mean, the map auto pulls up Christian Academy of Indiana, and it'll take this amount of time. And sure enough, it's right. And then I'm leaving, and my GPS, it already goes to coffee crossing on Grantline Road. And so I'm like, on my, on my bad days, I'm like, listen, GPS. What if I want to go to Starbucks? What if I want to mix it up? What if I want some passion fruit or, you know, a milkshake? What if I want to go there? And GPS lovingly puts his arm on my shoulder and says, Paul, you know better. You are going to Coffee Crossing, Grantline Road. You're too predictable. I was thinking about my my autocorrect. My daughters are of an age where uh, sometimes they'll have my phone and I'm like, oh, I got a text message. Here's what you need to tell them. And this morning I was thinking about this, this message, thinking about predictable. 
And I was like um, texting my, my sister back. And I said, well, do the smiley face. Don't do the laughing face. Do the smiley face like I'm at peace, happy. Do that face. And then tell her awesome exclamation point. And Emma's like, how do I spell awesome? And I said, A, W. And she said, no, 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 I got it. Autocorrect had it. I mean, all my words are so similar. They're predictable. You know, predictability um, is something that gets a bad rap. Sometimes it, it can have negative connotations. But today's message is seeds of promise in the predictable. Seeds of promise in the predictable. I came to encourage you, to equip you, to hopefully cheer you on in the good ways, with the good thoughts, with the obedience that you're living unto God, where it may seem quite predictable. I came to encourage you that there are seeds of promise in the predictable spaces of your life. There's seeds of promise right now that God is watering, that he is developing, that he is taking you from where you are to where he has called you to be. And don't be astonished if it's sometimes quite predictable. Don't be astonished if it's just another ordinary day. God is doing extraordinary in the ordinary spaces of your life, in the ordinary spaces of your heart, the ordinary spaces of your mind. God is forming within you. He's developing within you areas that, listen, there's no shortcut for. The only way there, the only way there is to be predictable in the good ways. I also almost titled this sermon a little edgier. So I landed with seeds of promise in the predictable. But come on, for some of you that, you know, you want a little, little punch to the chin, here it is. You won't lay hold of the promise without being predictable. You won't lay hold of the promise without getting you some old, good old-fashioned predictable. Here's what I mean. Proverbs 3, 3 through 4. Two verses that work in symmetry. They work dynamically together. But as you'll see, everybody wants verse 4 without verse 3. Here it is. Proverbs 3, 3 through 4. Let love and say it together. Faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. <sighs> Predictable. Like you just keep showing up. Well, yeah. You know he's always positive. You know. You know, you know he's going to give you a compliment. Well, you know, she's talking behind your back, but you know what she's saying, isn't she? She's just bragging on you. She's just tell, talking about how amazing you are. So predictable. Tie love and faithfulness. Where are we going? Verse 4. Here's where we're going. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and the sight of man. That's the promise. That's the promise. And I know that I know, maybe not about you, I definitely know this about me. I love me some promises. Come on, I steal other people's blessings. I'm walking in the hall, somebody's like, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm like, me too. I'm just going to take their blessing. You prayed for that? 
Oh, and God gave it to you? Man, I'm going to double it up. Thank you, Jesus. I want to be blessed. I want to walk in the blessing. I want to walk in the favor. I want to walk in the goodness of God. I'm liable to try to steal your blessing. It's just, I, I believe in all of that. But can I tell you, there are no shortcuts to the promise of God over your life. There's no shortcuts. And I felt like God had me on assignment today. Because sometimes you get weary. Sometimes you get tired. Sometimes life is just ordinary. It's just the same. Sometimes I've noticed here in Indiana, in the month of January, the clouds can come and they stay till the next day, the next day, the next day. Then that's a different message, but it's just the same thing. But I want to remind you, I want to encourage you. That there's seeds of promise in the predictable. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God. And man, my parents, round of applause incoming, celebrated 55 years of marriage this past Thursday. It's incredible. It's incredible. Congratulations. Remarkable. It's a glorious thing, but how many of you know? They would have wanted when they, when they got going, 55 years, yippee. They didn't know all the arguments, not that they argue, but all the arguments. I mean, they didn't know they would have two daughters and then the son of favor would arrive. <laughs> they didn't know that. They had to endure eight, six years before I came along. <laughs> But can I tell you there are promises over your life? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Sometimes it's 24 hours. Sometimes it's two minutes. God will unlock and open the doors of heaven. But sometimes, sometimes it takes some time. And I'm here to speak to you that there's seeds of promise even in the predictable. I wrote, I wrote down a couple examples. Maybe these, will, maybe these will mean something to you. And what I mean by seeds of promise in the predictable is that in the day-to-day repetitive, no one sees me do it, practices, habits, rhythms of character, spiritual disciplines, boring daily experience. They're seeds of promise. Well, what I mean by seeds of promise is that with every diaper change, somebody, meal prepared, laundry washed, house tidied, dog walked, dog poop cleaned up. Bathroom tidy, dishes washed, floor mopped, and ceiling dusted moment. There's seeds of promise in the predictable. And what I mean by seeds of promise in the predictable is that with every day you clock in, log in, show up, do your work as under the Lord, encourage a coworker, honor your boss, talk kindly of your coworkers behind their back, fulfill your workday to the best of your ability, pay your taxes, somebody, and pay your bills. There are seeds of promise in the predictable. There are. Come on. You're too predictable. And that's a good thing. What I mean, college age, high school student, is that every day you go to school, you prepare your homework, study for the test, pray for the grade, by golly, pass the grade, work hard, speak well of your teachers, be gracious to your fellow students, don't steal. That's an important one. You know, the Ten Commandments mean a lot when you're a teenager. Don't steal, don't kill nobody, all right? Don't cheat, don't tell somebody off because they did you wrong. They're seeds of promise in the predictable. 
And we can be tempted to read everybody's highlight reel and see there are no seeds in promise. My life is so boring. I get online. I look at other pastors. I'm like, man, that's an exciting trip they went on. Man, that's an exciting meal they ordered. That's fun. That's maybe for you. You get online, you see some of your friends. And there's a, there's a longing. And what are we filling with the gap? We can fill in the lies to the enemy that say, uh, so predictable. Just another day. I'm here to tell you in that another day, right now, this day, there's seeds of holy promise of God. I thank God for seeds of commitment, seeds of predictability. I thank God. Here's who I thank God for. Billy Graham, Sunday school teacher. She showed up. She had her lesson prepared. She didn't know. Well, did she know what she was doing? Yes, she did. Because every Sunday school teacher always knows what they're doing. But she had no idea who was listening. She had no idea the seeds that were being forged. I think of some of our leaders. I thank God for all of our leaders. Incredible. I thank God for Tom, Marlene, White. By golly, you're going to be greeted every Sunday morning. Now, you may be convinced they feel like showing up every Sunday. They probably do. But some others don't. But we show up. We're committed. We're predictable in that way. And my encouragement to you is becoming predictable in the good spaces. Is, or excuse me, are you, are you, this will be fun, kind of uncomfortable, are you passing the predictable test? Are you? Are you passing the predictable test? And what I mean is your attitude predictable. Is your attitude predictable? Can your coworkers count on you to be full of good cheer, kind, patient, loving, humble, positive, uplifting, day in and day out? Is your attitude predictable? Is your integrity predictable? Can your boss, your spouse, your children, your friends and family depend on your integrity? That you'll do what you say you'll be a person of your word is your presence predictable are you faithful to show up others count on your presence in your life you able to to be present answering that text message taking that call grabbing a cup of coffee listen i'm not saying answering the text message when they want to but how about this you just answer the text message bye is your is your demeanor the way you live predictable can you be counted on Dependent, we live in a culture, come on, our culture, let's just be honest, the quicker we can get things, the better. Come on, fast food is the day of the age. But it's also intrinsic and has left a deposit all across our culture. If I can get something fast, good. And what I want to encourage you is sometimes, man, your prayers, they come fast and God answers fast. And I love those days. But other times, it's a predictability test. It's a predictability test. You know, Paul would write. Paul would write to the church in Galatians. He would write in Galatians chapter 6. So we're winding up at the end of the chapter. And in verse 7 through 9, he talks about reaping and sowing. Reaping and sowing. He says, you know, many sow towards the flesh. And then they're shocked when they reap the flesh. But he said, be people who sow towards the spirit. Sow seeds of life and the the Holy Spirit walk in obedience to God. And here's what's wild. Then you reap the rewards of that. And Paul says this, though. In verse 9, he says, do not grow weary in well-doing. 
for the right time you'll reap a harvest. It's true. It's true. God is doing such an amazing work in your life. And my encouragement today is to say, don't grow weary. Stay the course. Stay with it. Here's where I want to look at 1 Samuel 16 and 17. Just for a few moments, I want to tie in the story of David. 1 Samuel 16 and 17. And I'm going to read, I'm going to set the stage really fast. You have the people of Israel. The First Testament, the Old Testament is the story of God with His beloved people of Israel. And Israel had now taken the promised land. And there's a, a really um, informative book called Judges. And an easy way to sum up the book of Judges is everybody did what seemed right in their own eyes. And as you can imagine, when people do that, things get cray-cray. So you have the book of Judges. Then what happens is Israel cries out for a king. God says, I want to be your king. I want to lead you. And they're like, eh, we kind of want to, you know, we want a King Charles. We want somebody, you know, we can see in person. And so God brings them a king. First king, Saul. He's okay. He's getting a C and then he quickly gets an F. Next king is King David. And in that in-between moment when Samuel, who's the prophet of the Lord, goes to anoint David, here is where we pick up some of these verses. 1 Samuel 16. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. We jump down eight verses to verse 21. The in-between of those verses is simple. Saul was still king despite David being anointed. I'm assuming Saul was unaware that David was anointed. The scriptures don't say, but all I know is Saul's like, hey, David can play the harp. I want him in my presence to play the harp. So Saul brought David into the king's courts. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, David's dad, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. So David's on a journey towards the throne. One of the things that would mark David's life is he did it the right way. No shortcuts. Obedient, honoring to God and to the earthly king, even when he had reason not to be. But here's an interesting verse I saw as I was studying this week. 1 Samuel 17, verse 15. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now, let me tell you why that means a lot to me. I hadn't seen this before. I can get sidetracked when I'm reading my Bible, and one of my sidetrack words is Goliath. And so at the top of chapter 17, your Bible probably says the same thing, David and Goliath. And you're just like, come on, baby, Goliath going down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You get there. That's good. That's important. That's another message. What's interesting is, before that would be fulfilled, something had been forged within David's life. He had 
been taken into the palace. Have you ever heard of the pillows that they have in the palace? They have heating that works in the palace. They have meals three times a day in the palace. In fact, when you go into the palace, they bring you slippers for every season of the year. You get Christmas slippers, you get Valentine slippers, you get Easter slippers, and so forth. The sheets are silk. Unless you don't want silk, they'll do cotton. Everything's smooth. Palace is the place to be. You'll win favor with God and man. You'll win favor with God and man. Where are you going to be, palace? How do, you, how do you do that? How do you get there? You tie love and faithfulness around your neck. David is living what his son Solomon would be writing. Proverbs 3, 3 through 4. In fact, Solomon says, I'm writing down the wisdom I got from my dad. David is living the very verses I shared earlier because we see this glimpse that yes, the palace is in one place, but David's level of predictability, he's faithful, he can be counted on, he's walking in obedience in the right direction. And notice what happens here, palace and pasture, palace and pasture, palace and pasture. I'm going to keep saying it, I made, I think, a slide, palace and pasture. Pasture. There it is. Come on, somebody. Now you're going to get the Holy Ghost. Palace and pasture. Palace and pasture. Palace and pasture. That faithfulness. The faithfulness. The faithfulness. David was so committed. Come on, I sometimes put myself in the Bible stories. And I'm like, Paul, you going to come feed the sheep? No, Dad, I, I want to. I want to. My heart is there. I love Bethlehem. Man, I love, I love you guys. I love you guys. But dad, they got silk pajamas. And I am not going back, somebody. But God can do things with predictable people. God can do things. Dad, that's tired and wore out. The last thing you want to do is tuck your kids in, answer all their questions, hear another story. You may have no idea the amount of love that's being poured out in that moment that is shaping a trajectory of somebody's soul. Mom, Wants to tap out. Wants to run. Don't grow weary. You're doing good. I know nobody may see it, but God sees it. God sees it. And he's faithful and just to reward. I can promise you that. I don't know how. I don't know where. When you're walking through the fire of life. Can you be counted on to walk with integrity? And people shaming your name. Can you... Turn on some Rita Springer. My defender is fighting my battles. All I need to do is worship. Are you so predictable that even God knows how you'll respond? God's inviting us into this space. And I think of David. He went back 
and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Like, let's be honest, there's a reason we have not walked in to Little Nashville souvenir shops and seen that on a plaque, somebody. But we, <laughs> at least the, the, the Bible section of those stores, you see like, and David slew Goliath, giant killer. Back of my car. Heck yeah, giant killer. Let's get t-shirts made. Come on. I'm going to make a video promo. We're going to get the whole thing. It's going to go viral. Yes, giant killer always goes viral. What about this? What about this? When you're in the palace, stay committed to the pasture. Pastor, that doesn't sell. In fact, I'm hearing you say that, and that's going over like a rat sandwich. (laughs) Pretty much anything else I'd rather eat. But God is in those places. God is in those spaces of life that here's the other part of David's story. I mean, Jesse, his papa, Samuel shows up, says, hey, I'm here to anoint the next king. Jesse's like, all right, I'm going to bring out all my sons. They're studs. Samuel's like, "Mm, do you have somebody else? Jesse's like, not really. Not real. I've got one, but he's out in the fields, you know, taking care of bears, taking care of lions, learning the power of commitment, consistency, competency, character, how to walk in integrity. David wasn't perfect. You know that story. But can I tell you the pathway to the promise? was found in those seeds of predictability. I'm going to do, David would say, I'm going to do what I said I would do. I'm going back, I'm going forth to Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. I'm going back. And I remember, I don't know why, you know, this is the same for you. I don't know why. You know, life verses, some of them really make sense. I have no idea where this one came from. Romans 14 and Proverbs chapter 3. When five and six, I know is some of my favorites. But God forged that in my mind. I began to read my Bible at a young age. And I got excited about this verse. Like, who does that? There are way better verses in the Bible. But God began to forge in me from a young age. And am I perfect? Of course. No. (laughs) Of course not. Of course not. No, no, no. Do I make mistakes? Yes. But I'm saying the overarching of our lives, we're being transformed into our rabbi, our teacher, Jesus. And can I tell you, part of the disciples' frustration is Jesus was so predictable. I mean, they're like, Jesus, they dissing you. <laughs> Call down fire from heaven. Call down fire from heaven. Call down fire from heaven. And they're all like, Jesus like, y'all got issues? Repent. They're like, Jesus, you're so predictable. Okay, okay, we're going to repent. We're going to get it right. All throughout, part of the disciples, what are they? They're wanting spontaneity. They're wanting to do what feels good. Wanting to do what feels right. They're wanting to avenge, revenge, whatever. That feels good to them. And Jesus would say, no, no, we're here to do the will of the Father. And so God would call us. I believe God would invite us. And I want to highlight, because my time is up. I want to highlight just maybe some of what God's doing in your life. 
Like, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. You don't have a highlight reel right now. And so what you're telling yourself is you're less than. You don't have a highlight reel. You're discounting the qualities that God is doing and developing inside of you. You don't feel like you have the influence. Shut down the influence. Get intimate with God. That's what David had. You don't have, man, I wish I could pray and get answered. Forget that. God's developing something deep within your heart. You keep knocking, as Kelly wonderfully said about prayer requests, you keep putting it down, putting it down, putting it down, putting it down, putting it down. Putting it down putting, then you land up being like the gospel story, the parable. you that nagging widow who just kept showing up. God, God, God. I can't project what God is doing in your life in the predictable spaces, but I can promise you he will forge commitment within you. We can put that, we can put that up. Commitment. God will develop commitment in your life. He will develop commitment in your life. I like to say this. One way to outlast the enemy is to make your mind up and stay committed. Y'all, I know that was better than you responded. I know it. I know myself. One way to outlast the enemy is to make your mind up and stay committed. Like, yes, 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 yes. Look, look. If you're anything like me, man, you get that anointing oil, you enter into spiritual warfare, you just, you just land it on everything. Can I tell you? You get up the next day, you just stay committed. Stay committed. Stay committed. Some of you, you quit declaring words over your life. And I told you, by golly, three weeks ago, some of you have been not visiting the website. You did it one morning. You're like, nah, don't feel any different. Well, look. You do like I do on a diet. You're like, man, if I haven't dropped 15 pounds overnight, it's a stupid diet. It's dumb. It's worthless. And then you make the next bad decision. You think, you know what? That was free. What if I commit to $500 for that diet? And the same response. But that's another message. Anyhow, listen, here's the deal. One way to outlast the enemy is to make your mind up. Stay committed. Stay committed. In the back hills of Judea was David's proving ground. The last of several brothers who were stronger, more able, more gifted, more abilities. By golly, you talk about <clears throat> having to work through some emotionally healthy spirituality. All of the brothers lined up and chosen by Jesse, but not by the man of God. The man of God knew. And he's about to learn a good lesson that God looks at the heart first before he looks at the hand. And God forges our level of commitment. Second thing David would grow in is confidence. Confidence. I shared the story, 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37. It says that, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When Saul's like, look, man, you do not need to go take out Goliath. That's just a bad idea. But he says, listen, I took care of my father's sheep. When a lion or bear came, carried it off. I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, <laughs> like I got a story. When it turned on me, <clears throat> I blacked out and fell over and played dead. Like I got a story when it, when it, it didn't even turn on me. I saw a lion 300 miles away, man. I didn't even show up. 
Like, there are just some things you just don't do. And David said, oh, well, when it turned on me, <laughs> that's when my Red Bull kicked in. <laughs> that's when the adrenaline rush happened, and I seized it. By its hair, I struck it, and I killed it. Then I killed it again just to make sure it was dead. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Because he has defied the armies. He's going to be just like him because he has defied the armies of the living God. You grow in your level of confidence. You grow in your level of confidence. Can I tell you, it's the secret places that I have with God far from this platform where the Lord even currently is growing my confidence. Even now, even now, the whispers of the enemy are strong in all of our lives. He wants to take our feet from underneath us. The last thing the enemy wants is for us to step into our promised land. And can I tell you, sometimes in that gap is confidence. The confidence is not just found in the battle. It's found forged in the back hills of Judea, in the predictability, the predictable spaces. There's seeds of promise over your future. Some of you, you know this. Some of you retired people, you know this. Somebody said, pour into your retirement. You're like, I got better things to do, but you did it. And guess what? It made a difference. You didn't see it. You maybe never even checked it, but over a while, it exponentially grew. The same is true of our spiritual lives. Sometimes the promise isn't here yet, but don't, don't buy the lie of the enemy that nothing's happening. God's doing a great work. God's proving, he's proving the ground before us. There's confidence, and then the last one is competency. It's competency, competency. I was sharing with the men yesterday at our men's breakfast. We kicked off a 30-day prayer challenge. If you're a man in the house, want one of these, they're on the back table there. If you're a lady in the house, you can have one too until we run out. Or you can just, you know, take the next 30 days and you don't need a hand up. But nonetheless, I was sharing, I was sh sharing with them yesterday learning the language of prayer. You know, maybe in your discipleship story, nobody, to nobody told you you got to learn to talk prayer. You got to learn to talk it. You don't get that overnight. You don't become a prayer overnight. It's like my daughters, it wasn't like something suddenly shifted when they turned two and became professional English teachers. <laughs> Father, may I have another cup of tea? No. They can't do that as it is, despite my earnest efforts. Sometimes we shortchange prayer because we're too unpredictable. We only show up when there's an emergency. Could you imagine if we all had to make a 911 call today, but you had not had 35 years of talking English? I mean, what's that conversation going to look like? Somehow you got the math part, but you just, you just didn't learn the English part? Call 911. Hello? Is this an emergency? You know, you can, uh, what is it, Night at the Museum? The caveman? Who? Who, who, who? I mean, it's a simple analogy. 
That was pretty good. That wasn't even in my notes, but it, even I can make myself laugh. Hey, since we're here, have y'all seen them bringing back some of those Geico commercials with the caveman? Oh, that's great. The best Geico commercial here and now is a camel. It's the camel one. Have you seen it? That's worth the price of admission. We're not going to pull it up. You do that on your own time, but it's the camel. For hump day, it's the best. Anyhow, could you imagine in our prayer life, in our prayer life, in our prayer life, in our prayer life, if all we ever do is call on God in an emergency? We only know one word, help. If he's wanting to reshape your identity as a beloved child of God, you're going to know help like the back of your hand. But you're also going to be able to cultivate how. How? How am I to move forward in this trauma, God? Well, Paul, call a counselor. How am I to approach this leadership decision? Well, Paul, you begin to learn other words. You begin to learn other. You grow in your competency. David didn't show up when Goliath showed up. David showed up actually as a trained warrior. That wasn't his first time holding a slingshot. He was proficient with slingshots. They were actually part of the Hebrew military. I'll digress from going into all that. But he was a trained fighter. He had learned what he learned by practice, by competency. And can I tell you what it was? It was all along the line of preparation that he could step into the promise of God over a life. And I want to tell you, for those who may be bored, or those the fruit hasn't arrived quickly enough, or those of you I can even sense just ready to tap out or give up or forget about it, can I just encourage you, God sees you. And he's calling you to remain steadfast. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary. Stay the course. Stay there. Pray when you don't see anything happening. Pray when it's silent. Pray when you like, I thought there was a promise. I thought there was a promise. Pray through it. Pray through it. Pray through it. Praise through it. Praise through it. Worship when you don't feel like it. Worship when the team, they didn't get all your songs right. Worship anyway. Keep on keeping on, keeping on, keeping on, and the Lord will lead you. I know as sure as day, the Lord will lead you to the promises he has over your life. Hear me, hear me. My hope was to encourage today, and I want to end with a word about God. One of my favorite attributes about God is he is just so predictable. He's so predictable. He is always up to something good. It's annoying. The Holy Spirit's about the most joyful person I know. I try to outdo him at times, but I never can. Because I have down days. I have down moments. I have dark seasons, hard, hard places. But can I tell you, I can always show up to the loving arms of my Heavenly Father. That I'm never in question about how he feels about me. And my hope is that you would never be in question about how God feels about you. We have a tendency in our relationship with God, and we can all blame religion. We look at ourselves many times, sin first. 
God does not see you that way. He sees you as righteous. He sees us as righteous. For all who have called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we're learning to walk in that identity. And I want to close just with a quick prayer. If you're here and you felt distant from God, I want you to know God's predictable. We all know it. A lot of us know it. Yeah, we know you don't deserve it, just like I don't deserve it. But God's so faithful. He's going to show up. He's going to call you by name. He's going to pull you into the promise he has over your life. Can we pray? Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness over our lives. Thank you, God, that you are predictable in the right kind of way. Thank you that your heart is for us, that your love is towards us. And Lord, as you would say of Israel, the book of Ezekiel, I believe it is, God, that you love us with an everlasting love. Everlasting. I thank you, Lord, that your love is not dependent on our predictability or unpredictable. Your love is covenant, God. That you are steadfast in every season. Just right now, I want to invite us to... Uh, you're not even going to have to step, but take a step of faith. Just sitting right where you are. If you just need a fresh encounter of God's love. Nobody's looking around. I'm not looking around. You're not on camera, by the way. The angle, it won't pick it up. Just between you and God right now, if you just would say, hey, I feel like I know this is true, but I, I need to encounter it. Come on, could you, would you be bold just right where you are? Raise your hand to the Lord. I need a fresh encounter of God's love. Fresh encounter of God's love. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Pour out a fresh encounter of your love over every hand raised, over every heart, over every mind. For some, our circumstances have been so loud, God, that we, can, we can't even hear the faint whispers. But Lord, I pray that you would pierce the darkness with a resounding sense of your love, your peace, and your freedom. In the name of Jesus, amen.